Eric Veal with the AppsJack Capable Communities Podcast, and I am coming to you from Seattle, Washington, which is home of Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Boeing, and an incredible startup ecosystem that rivals Silicon Valley. Each episode, I bring on friends and guests who are executives and business leaders from the local community and around the world to talk about a topic that we find very interesting. Please enjoy this episode. Hey everybody, this is Eric Veal with the Abstract Capable Communities Podcast, and I'm here today with Dave DeNoia, uh, Mark, and Ellie, and we're going to talk about finance. And so we have basically uh, four episodes in this in this series, and we're going to talk about financial resource management. We'll probably get into Bitcoin, blockchain, uh, definitely we'll talk about the cloud and just distributed systems as we've done on previous previous episodes, but... Um, I'll hand it off to Dave to do intros. We'll just do a quick round of intros of who, who's here talking with us today. Hi, my name is Dave DeNoya, and uh, I worked with data uh, for my whole career and uh, in various forms and big data, databases, etc. And uh, yeah, it's great to be here. Hi, I'm Mark Müller-Eberstein. Um, based on the accent, you can figure it out. I'm coming from Germany originally, but I live in the U.S. since the late 90s. I run a consulting business, EdgeTech Corporation, and um, do a research uh, on what the key technologies are uh, with Rutgers University and a couple of research institutes across the globe. And uh, just having a good time lately around uh, blockchain technology. Welcome. I'm Ellie Mungeli, DevOps engineer, currently working for JPL NASA. I also am a consultant around democracy for government and digital government. Thank you. So welcome to our guests. Thanks, everybody, for being here. And uh, just after the break, we're going to get into a lot of details about financial resource management and just the current state, essentially, of finance, money, and all this digital uh, craziness we've got going on. All right. Um, so still on our finance topic here, and we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, basically, the complexity or techniques used to raise capital for startups, for ventures, and so forth. And so we just kind of want to share the information that we have with our audience about uh, what we know the techniques to be and to just throw a few out there to kind of kick us off. Obviously, you can self-finance, and if you're great at, um, if you're rich or uh, have a big bank account or if you have a great product, great service, et cetera, and you can... Um, Self-finance, that's one way. Um, you know, you can go to, go to the banks. We can talk about the Goliaths types of people that you can go to. VCs, I think, would largely fit into that same context where you can't really be a, too small of an entity to get venture capital. You need to be of a particular size. And so there's all kinds of complexity, I think, in, in thinking about how to get money. And there's a lot of dependencies that depend on your size, your capabilities, your successes, your partners, your uh, et cetera. So just kind of throw it out to the group to discuss um, fundraising and its complexity or techniques to successfully raise capital to finance a business. Let me start very provocative. And I would say sure. the traditional banking system has failed their actual job, which is allocating capital to people to build something new. Um, new ideas, new ventures, creating more value. They have focused on creating uh, mortgages and driving the house prices up and making a killing and moving money from A to B. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, the purpose of what banking was supposed to be, it's not fulfilled anymore. I agree with that. So as a, yeah. I think we've started to touch on some of the alternatives for entrepreneurs. I mean, mm -hmm. as a 
As an angel investor here in the Pacific Northwest, um, there's a lot of interesting groups that are open to people. Um, so I'm working with the um, Alliance of Angels, and but there are some other groups here as well, where entrepreneurs not only are getting um, the money, but actually access to information, to connections, and bringing things bringing things together. And I think on the other side, looking at uh, blockchain technology, um, some of you might have heard about ICOs, initial coin offerings. They have created over the last 18 months, I think, uh, a tremendous opportunity um, with lots of risk, and we'll hopefully talk about those as well, for um, entrepreneurs to tap a global ecosystem around specific ideas. Can we talk a little bit about an ICO? I don't know. I, 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 it was a new idea to me, and I find it fascinating. So, Sure. Um, ICO stands for Initial Coin Offering. Think about uh, Bitcoin went out, came out, and people tried to figure out what it is, and it created a network and uh, where you mine Bitcoin by managing the specific ecosystem. So there is now this cryptocurrency out there that is worth billions of dollars out there. So the question is, a lot of the people that hold that cryptocurrency, so what do we do with them? How do I, create, uh, do I keep them in Bitcoin? Do I keep them in Ether? Do I keep them in Litecoin? Hope for the increase? Or are there other ways where I can start to maybe invest that money into building something? Um, it a few years ago, some of the Bitcoin miners started to raise money online. So they say, basically, this is a city where I'm going to build a Bitcoin mining warehouse. Okay. And what I need is a couple of million dollars equivalent to build, to buy the hardware. These are the people who are going to run it. Please invest, and I'm giving you some interest, and invest in Bitcoin so I can buy hardware for it. And they realized that within sometimes minutes, they could raise millions of dollars from their Bitcoin community to build Bitcoin mining data centers. Yeah. So cryptocurrency became this investment vehicle. And I think uh, about last year, we had a total of 200. I think by now we had like six or 800 ICOs. These are companies that are saying, I have an idea and it's like a mini IPO. I'm saying, this is what I'm going to planning on doing. This is my plan of how I'm going to do it. This, and I need some funds. So I'm creating a coin. Um, that you can buy for existing cryptocurrency. Like so you spend Bitcoin, you get a Mark coin uh -huh. <laughs> or a David coin. There we go. Um, and um, you get some kind of share in that new community that I'm going to create. And it can be a community for uh, creating an online exchange market. Like Bancor just raised $158 million, I think, in Ether um, within a very, very short time frame to build that new exchange community, or it could be the vegan community, the vegan <laughs> coin community we talked about earlier. And then it's, I have a, uh, it seems to me that this um, like is a, has a democratizing uh, effect compared to like early investment in other companies. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but my mm -hmm. understanding is that the general garden variety, I have you know, a couple thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars I'd mm -hmm. like to invest, I'd like to, you basically don't have access to those investments because it only goes through mm -hmm various larger banks and only their preferred customers. And this would allow basically anyone who had a Mark coin or a Dave coin or a vegan supply chain uh, coin to get in, in. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. I mean, there's for very good reasons, investments are regulated uh, sure. to protect people. Um, so for, for anybody to start to be part of the angel investment system, they have to be what's called an accredited investor. So they have fulfilled certain criteria. A lot of this is self-declared, but basically it means you're, every money you're putting into this venture, you're prepared to completely lose it, and it will not break you. 
Gotcha. <laughs> so um, you sign that and then you're allowed to participate in that particular system. And then there's some minimum investments that companies usually have. Now, if you move to an online space or to like an ICO, it doesn't really matter. You could, theoretically, you can put $100 in or $100,000 or a couple of million dollars. Okay. Gotcha. So, so did we mm -hmm. effectively, by creating the ICO capability, did that kind of do away with regulation? I remember a thought process mm -hmm. where we were starting to deregulate around that thing where accredited investors were no longer required and this was the, there was a whole time around the crowdfunding period when that sort of, there was an interest in deregulating that, but it sounds like it kind of tipped or that need even went away mm -hmm. and now all of that idea kind of went to ICO. Yeah, I feel like ICO is like crowdfunding on, on steroids. Mm -hmm. um, and. Uh, some municipalities try to create regulations, like the state of Washington is trying to look at this, the US government is looking at regulations, but how do you regulate a company that creates a white paper on the Bahamas and raising money in Bitcoin um, out of a state of Nevada, for example? So I have no idea how you would actually do this, which means it comes with huge risks. So sure. there are people who say, who say that I'm raising a couple of million dollars in Bitcoin for, for my Mark coins or my David coins, and then they take the money and run. So sure. there's, and there's no recourse on this either. Sure. So that comes back to communities and trusts and how do you build these things. Sure. One of the things, I actually looked at Alliance of Angels mm -hmm. uh, earlier this year, I think, I went and, and talked to someone there because I was looking at trying to fund a business to build a new election system. Mm -hmm. Now, I realize that building an election system is tough, but I've spent several years researching it and I've gotten to a point where it's like I really need to build I can't keep just talking about the theory of election system and there's a lot of public support for building new election systems because our current elect election technology is poor it's very very opaque and everybody knows that you put your you literally put your your vote into a black box and telling whether or not it's been counted is fraught with holes Essentially, in almost every case, it's not fully automated. It's not transparent. So it's an area that's ripe for disruption. And all the election systems that we have in the United States are built by private vendors. And so somebody has been able to raise money and build new election systems. And looking at having the expertise to build one, but looking at how to, who would fund that was, has been like one of the primary challenges. Um, Angel investment, as I understand it, it's like they basically want to get in and out of a project. It's seed money. You know, it's not usually a lot of money, but it's enough so that I could start out. But the biggest issue is just that they're looking for stuff that they can flip or they can sell in a relatively short amount of time. Or that's my impression. An exit? No, well, an exit is very important. I mean, it's an investment vehicle. So you, you have criteria of how you look at a potential investment. So first of all, to be clear, if you do angel investments, the vast majority of the investment is not going anywhere. So you very likely lose money. So you need to find opportunities that have a very high possibility, very high return and a high possibility of return. So that criteria is you look at what, what's the potential market size, what the potential exit, what's the team look like, how large is the team, how committed are they. So there's a lot of criteria you look at, decide if it doesn't make financial sense to invest into something. Um, personally, of course, I love the idea creating a different, potentially even blockchain-based uh, voting system. 
Um, absolutely. But I think as an investor, there's just a list of criteria I would go through um, that um, might, at your current state, might actually not be that easy to fulfill. Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, it's really because there's a lot of risk in making an election system that's not only about the usual risks of technology. Mm -hmm. There's the huge risk of adoption. Like if you build an election system, somebody actually has to hold elections with it. Mm -hmm. And internationally, this is much better. There's much, there's a lot of call, as we mentioned earlier um, in, on our break there, we were talking about places where online voting actually happens. The military can vote online. Estonia has had online voting for the last decade. Um, on a municipal level, like Los, uh, Los Angeles, I noticed their city council elections are happening online. So there's, it's like gradually kind of coming in, but there's always the risk that you would make it and that, the, that federal political interests could block the implementation of voting innovation. Potentially, yes, and they've been established systems are like the status quo, so it's really hard for things to change for a long variety of reasons. But have you thought, Ellie, have you thought about um, building basically a community? Who would benefit from this new election system? What, is, what do they have to gain, and how can they help you? It's really important to think about it that way. In some ways, like definitely there's a community of people that are interested in election innovation, and they're citizens, and they're committed to it. Like every place I go, I get the moral support I need. <laughs> and a lot of people have actually talked, talked to me about crowdfunding. And yet the project of an election system is big enough and rigorous enough. I think you know, one of the things that really comes down is that it's not just every engineer. You know, there's a very specific kind of technology that needs to go into it. And you can't like kind of get embark on it and have a guaranteed market for it, right? Even if you build it well. But and are so there, but are there organizations today, it might not have been a, have to be a country or a state, but are there organizations who would if there would be a economically viable way to improve their election system? Um, to contribute. It yeah, to. I think mm -hmm. so one of the things I think is re that's really important about improving election technology right now that people don't realize is that ideally um, an election system, we should be able to decouple it from an election and be able to use it for all kinds of online legislation. Because an election is just making a decision online and doing it with like good authentication, right? And so ideally, like one of the things is that for one thing, elections would be much cheaper, recalls would be cheaper. Right, and you could hold a lot more different kinds of elections, and you could also have like legislative groups that were making decisions online. Essentially, citizen legislation would be enabled by online election systems as like a subcategory of the of the original product. I just consider the election system like the flagship of some kind of technology that allows a much better direct democracy. So it makes sense that the stakeholders would be that crowdsourcing it could be some kind of a thing. I think there's an issue around um, traction and kind of scope and size and scale that right now, because it's you that have researched it where there's no MVP, there's no uh, market proof, et cetera, and so forth, it becomes very hard to sell that idea to anybody, basically. Or, or, the, or like what you say, you get great feedback and everybody agrees, but there's no next step, there's no action plan other than you better go uh, get busy making this thing. Yeah, when we talk about, one of the funny things is, is that where do you raise money for stuff that's not conspicuously profitable? Like, what's the profit for an election? 
you know, and it's certainly election systems are really expensive. And that's one of the things we should replace. Have you ever heard of Patreon? Yeah, I do actually know of it. What is Patreon? I don't remember. Yeah, it's a it's a model where um, producers are paid like almost like on a a subscription level for creating content. Right. And this isn't really your scenario, right? Um, Again, like one of the problems I've seen with a lot of the crowdfunding options is that they're just not long term enough and robust enough. Uh, there needs to be some kind of flexibility in a dialogue with the people that you're raising funding from, I think, in terms of an election system, because you can't say right off the bat, I'm going to build an innovative election system and it's going to be used in a federal election on this date. Well, Mark, Mark gave good examples earlier. I don't remember if we were recording at that time or not, but basically about the capabilities, for example, of Alliance of Angels, that it's not just the money, it's money and help or money and education. And you think about something like Y Combinator, it, it might just be the education or the experience or the program or what have you, basically to, to, to go from a perhaps immature idea to a more mature idea. And then when you come out the other end of the pipeline, then you're more ready for whatever that next stage is. But there's no hard and fast rule that says that that stage for everybody is 5 million or 2 million or what have you and so forth. And business is dynamic like that where there's no, and I, and I have to say, even though you have this idea of an election system and um, it's not exactly clear where the money will, ne- from the place from which the money will necessarily come, I think you still need to think about it like a business as you would normally. Oh, for and, sure. And even though the money might come from investors or who knows what, governments, I don't know, you still need to noodle on that mm-hmm. financial resource management plan for your idea. But that's not, it alone will not be the answer to your question because you still need to build up the business capability. Yeah. So one of the things that comes up quite a lot in just my regular work as a cloud engineer that makes it hard for applying for grants, for example. Like I've done a lot of work in the electronic democracy kind of community applying for various grants. And if they have the the choice between where to put their funding and they're going to fund like a mobile app or an infrastructure project, Mm, trust me, everybody goes for the mobile app. I've I've been living that life in in my work too. Like, hey, we need to build some infrastructure to solve this. Like, I want an answer. Yeah, we need infrastructure to get you to your... uh, uh, Yeah, so infrastructure is really hard. Like, funding infrastructure is really hard in part because a lot of times the return on the investment is not like some obvious profit. It's actually your return is in savings, right? You're just becoming much more efficient if you do it right. Well, it's it's like to be... to An example of this for me, and this is maybe offensive. I don't know if it's offensive or not, but for example, <laughs> if, if I just, if I just said that I wanted to start making battleships and yeah. I couldn't build a toy boat, I'd probably like, people would kind of laugh at me and I, and I would just, I would just say, well, no, yeah. I'm going to build a battleship and it's going to be huge and it's going to be bigger than all the other boats. We're going to need and steel it's be for great. sure. Steel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> steel. And, but you know, but I had no example of like, even like floated a rubber ducky in a tub. People are just, you know, yeah. it's like, they're probably not going to throw money at you, even though you right, really might have this vision for this yeah. battleship 
that is documented and well-planned. And but it's also, there's another problem there, too, where, where you're talking about distributed systems. It doesn't make sense to have, like, really small distributed systems, you know? <laughs> so you're kind of like, it's a distributed system with one node. is not very distributed. Well, but it's a scale thing, too, right? I think there's it ways is. to prototype and test, and I think this is a lot of the tricks. I, I've been a web developer for 20 years, and the first types of products that I would make were designed to be like have global scale. <laughs> the, the types of tools that I make now are meant for like me and a few coworkers to work. Like that's the that's my validation points. And I know that I have to build in steps and whatnot. And I I kind of can't go from zero to sixty in an instant. I need to I need I need to I need to go one mile an hour and then two miles an hour and so forth. And I can accelerate maybe at some point. But actually, one of the interesting things about this is that the the infrastructure part of it is done because I've been paid as a consultant to build the infrastructure that I needed for the election system, and the infrastructure would be the most expensive part. Sure. So you have that, but so you need I your built testing go-to-market strategy yeah. and plan. Well, and no, that. you actually still need the application layer. Right. Yeah, you need the actual part where people vote on it. But <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, we are going to need that. I agree. <laughs> The but what's funny, does not I guess, have a motor or a hole. Yeah. What's <laughs> funny about it, though, is even talking about the work done yeah. is that it's like so, so tremendously abstract that in a lot of places where I'm going, again, we talked about the difficulties of explaining to people what cloud is. Like, that's a huge, that is really yeah, hard in terms sure. of fundraising. Sure. You know, even if you, I could show them the code, but the I mean, what does it mean? It's like, <laughs> is, I know, infrastructure alone. No, that's my life. Infrastructure might as well be cloud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Might yeah. as well be saying the same thing. But so it's, so I, I see the value of adding marketing actually to the technology discussion. Yeah. You said, how do yeah. you actually explain an infrastructure? And you can say, what is the value of Active Directory or Windows? I am yeah. interested in that discussion. Yeah. So I think there's definitely opportunity, opportunity there, but yeah. I think. And leading that is like combination of people that are, if to, yeah. for most projects to be successful, you need multiple people with complementary yeah. and diverse experiences and backgrounds to believe in the same vision yeah. and then making it a reality. I keep saying this, that I need a business guy to yeah. like, just like make up that story for me because I can actually tell you the savings on it and like the cost of voting nowadays, yeah. but I don't know what their communication is like. And trust me, the communication of a cloud engineer, even though I'm good at communicating what I do, is not something that makes sense to in, fundraisers. In general, it's that you have that two inch view because you're, so, you're like, you've been staring at it and now all of a sudden you've got to sell it to somebody oh, who's looking at it from 10,000 feet. Yeah. And that's just inherently difficult for anyone. You know, yeah. I, I, it's a major issue that I deal with in my work with analysis of like, you did the analysis, you can't run the meeting. <laughs> no, it's super true. So, so you know, that, that's really the point of this podcast is we, we want to focus on individual ideas and opportunities, but we're trying to cover a variety of skills. Like we've, you know, yeah. we spent time earlier talking about marketing and, and products and delivery and all yeah. the things. And so it really does take a team and it takes a lot of effort. So, um, yeah, we just tried to cover um, some thoughts on raising money and some of the complexities involved and just some thought processes that um, that our listeners should take into consideration when they're out doing their projects. So thanks for listening and we'll uh, talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Abstract Podcast. The creator and host of this podcast is Eric Veal. It was recorded, engineered, and produced by Christian Harris. You can contact us and find all our show notes on our website at appsjack.libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N. If you like what you hear on this podcast, let us know by writing us a very nice five-star review on iTunes and subscribing. 
You can also find out more by going to abstract.com slash meetup to get more information on this month's topic and the corresponding meetup group that Eric hosts in Bellevue, Washington each month. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next month for our next episode of the Abstract Podcast. This has been a Seatown Media production. Find out more at seatownmedia.com, S-E-A hyphen townmedia.com.